Welcome on this rainy Sunday morning. Uh, Hey, turn to your neighbor and repeat this after me. There is nothing better than being in the presence of God. And one word from him can change everything. You believe that this morning? All right, let's say it again like we mean it then, okay? Are you ready? And, and some of you, I know we're social distance, so your neighbor is a, is a ways away, so you got to say it so they can hear it, all right? There is nothing better, nothing better than being in, being in the, presence of God. the presence of God, and one word from him, word from him. can change everything. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning because we believe that, that there is nothing better than being in your presence. And just one word from you can change everything in our lives. One word from you results in healing. One word from you results in deliverance. One word from you results in freedom. One word from you. And so this morning, we have gathered together, both in person and online, because we long to hear your voice. And so we pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, in week four of a series that we're calling Listen. And for those of you who have been around for the past several weeks, you know that we're, we're really just talking about uh, how can we develop a better listening skills? How can we become better listeners specifically as it pertains to hearing the voice of God? And we've kind of focused our attention on the reality that when God speaks to us, he doesn't just speak in one way. He speaks in a number of different ways. In fact, uh, there are a number of different frequencies in which God speaks. Now, there are some times when God speaks to us that he speaks kind of like he did for Moses on Mount Sinai. You know, it's big and it's loud and it's bold and it's undeniable. I mean, we just know that God has spoken to us and we all love it when God does that. But we talked uh, in week one, how the reality is that far more often than that, when God speaks to us, oftentimes it's not big and loud and bold, but rather it's in a still small voice. It's through a gentle whisper. And the gentle whispers of God are incredibly powerful things. And and we talked a couple of weeks ago then that also not only does God talk through gentle whispers or speak to us in gentle whispers, but uh, probably the most accessible way that God speaks to us is through his word. That he wants to engage with us as we spend time with him in his word. And if we'll do that, if we'll turn our ear towards him, then he will speak to us. I love the fact that his word is alive. It's the living word. And so we can read a passage of scripture one day and it'll speak to us in one way. And we can read it another time and God will speak to us through his spirit in an entirely different way. And then last week, we talked about how God is so incredible and so amazing that he can even speak to us through our pain, that he can take the difficult situations of our lives, and if we're listening to him, he can communicate to us through our painful experiences, that God never wastes a hurt, that he is so powerful that he could, in fact, he's the only one that can bring purpose out of pain. And so God even speaks to us through our pain. This morning, I want to share with you another way that God speaks to us, and oftentimes when God wants to communicate to us, he will speak to us through other people. 
He speaks through other people. This is a pattern that we see repeated over and over again in Scripture. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, this was a very common way that God spoke to an individual or group of people, is that he would speak through people, for instance, the prophets. He spoke through the prophets. Uh, prophet, uh, somebody sent me a, a message here a week or so ago and said, hey, could you help me understand the difference between apostles and prophets and disciples and what does all that mean? And a prophet is some, somebody who simply speaks the word of the Lord. To prophesy is to declare the word of the Lord. And so God would speak through his prophets. Um, He spoke in the New Testament through people. For instance, you know, John the Baptist, he prepared the way for the Lord and, and, and preached a message of repentance and God spoke through him to the people. God spoke through Paul as he was planting the churches. He, of course, spoke through the gospel writers that our New Testament is there because God spoke through individuals and they wrote it down. And so this is a pattern that God has used um, all throughout history. This morning, I want to look at a particular story to kind of help us process through all of this. And this is a story found in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 18. And and this is an instance where God speaks to Moses. And what I love about this story is that God actually speaks through Moses through his father-in-law. That God can actually speak to us through our in-laws of all, of all people. He can even use our in-laws. So that's an awesome thing. But we're going to jump right in and just read this. And then I want to draw some, uh, just some principles out of this story about how God speaks to us through other people. And again, Exodus chapter 18, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And so if you uh, have a different version, the words may be a little bit different. But it says this. It says, Jethro... The priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And I want to pause right here for a moment. Most of you are probably familiar with the story, but what's happened here is Moses, you know, he has been the deliverer of Israel. Israel has been uh, in bondage in Egypt for hundreds of years, and God calls Moses to come and be the deliverer. And so through Moses, God delivers a number of different plagues upon the Egyptians. You know, there's the the, the locusts, and there's the uh, flies, and there's hail, and um, the, the, the Nile turns to blood. And of course, it culminates in the death of the firstborn for anybody who doesn't have the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts. And so finally, after all of these plagues, um, Pharaoh is like, man, get out of here. You know, take your people and go. And so there's this incredible scene where on this one day, Moses leads two million people out of Egypt. And in fact, the Egyptians are so ready for them to leave. They're like, you know, they give them gold and silver. And the Bible says that the Israelites actually plunder the Egyptians. And so there's this incredible celebration. I can just imagine this moment after hundreds of years of slavery and none of these people had ever experienced freedom in their lives. And God uses Moses and so they, they, they're led out of, um, uh, out of Egypt. And somehow during this time, uh, oh, and then of course you can't forget that then, you know, 
not long after that they're let go, Pharaoh changes his mind, right? And so there's this incredible moment where uh, the, the children of Israel are trapped between the Red Sea and the army of the Egyptians behind them, and Charlton Heston raises up his, his rod, right? We all remember the movie. Moses raises his rod, the waters part, and there's this incredible victorious moment. And so God has done all these incredible things. And uh, somewhere along the line, somewhere in the journey, Moses has sent his wife and his children to Midian to stay with her father, this guy Jethro. And so Jethro is bringing Moses' wife and kids back to him. Let's, let's jump back in at verse 7, it says. And so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. Now, I'm glad that, that is, that's not a part of our custom, you know, to bow down and kiss. My father-in-law, if you know him, he's short. I'd really have to bow down to kiss him. And if I ever did that, he would slap me upside the head. Like, what in the world are you doing? So that's not a custom we have, but this was a sign of respect. And so Moses greets his father-in-law in this, in this respectful way. They, they ask each other of their welfare, and they go into this tent. And it says, then Moses told his father in law all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardships that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Okay, so this is really an incredible moment. Moses gets to share with Jethro all of the incredible things that God has done for the people of Israel and how he's been a part of it, how God has worked through him. Come on, who doesn't want, what son-in-law doesn't want their father-in-law to be proud of him? You know, what, what son-in-law does not want their father-in-law to say, yeah, man, I am, I'm proud of this guy. My daughter married the right guy. And so Jethro is happy for Moses and for the people. In fact, he's so happy that we're told he gets the people together and he offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. Okay, let's jump down to verse 13. It says, the next day, okay? So the day after, Moses shares all the incredible things that God has done and how God has used him and how God has delivered him. They have this incredible celebration where they offer a sacrifice to God. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people. And his people, or the people, stood around Moses from morning to evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning to evening? And Moses says to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Okay, so just kind of imagine this. Here is Moses. He is trying to lead two million people. And, and he's allowed this expectation to kind of develop where, you know, if you got a problem, take it to Moses. Man, man if, if, if you need some wisdom, go to Moses. If you have an issue with anybody, Moses will figure it out. He'll decide what needs to be done. Moses is the guy who hears from God. And so if ever there's an issue, take it to Moses. And it had gotten to the point where Moses, all day long, can you imagine all of the issues that take place between two million people? 
All day long, Moses sits and all of the people come to him expecting him to be a judge, a pastor, an advisor to all the people. And so Moses' father-in-law sees this and it says that he said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For this thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. And then in verse 21, Jethro gives this advice. He says, what you need to do is look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. He says, if you'll do this, God will direct you, and you'll be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace. And then in verse 24, it says, so Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Okay, so that's the story. And, and what I want to do this morning is I just want to share, I think there are four principles uh, that are found in this story that just kind of revolve around this idea of if we're open to it, how God will use other people to speak into our lives. And so we're just going to kind of work our way through this. Uh, number one is this, is that when God speaks, typically he speaks through godly people. God speaks through godly people. At the very beginning of this passage, we're given a uh, kind of some insight as to what kind of a guy Jethro is. He, he's, he's not just a wise man, but he's a godly man. We're, we're told that in verse 1 that he is the priest of Midian. In, in other words, Jethro is a guy who's got some spiritual maturity. Jethro's a guy who's got some spiritual authority. Um, he, he's someone who people recognize, you know, this is a guy who has a relationship with God. This is a guy committed to hearing from. This is a guy who's committed to following God. In, in other words, Jethro isn't a guy who just, you know, two days ago decided to, to, to follow Jesus. He's got a track record with God. He's got some history with God. He has an understanding of spiritual things. He's got some spiritual maturity. It says he's a priest. We also know that not only is he a priest, but we know that he's a worshiper. And, and we, we know this because if you notice, his very first reaction when he hears all of the things that God has done for Moses and for the people of Israel, his very first response is, let's worship him. Let's, let's get together and let's offer a sacrifice. Let's give thanks to God for how awesome he is and all the wonderful things that he has done. One of the things, and we talk about this quite a bit, but one of the things that worship does is it ushers us into the presence of God. Psalm 100 says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. In other words, worship puts us in the presence of God. And here's the bottom line. You gotta be in his presence in order to hear his voice. You gotta be in the presence of God in order to hear the voice of God. 
And, and so because Jethro is a worshiper, he was accustomed to being in the presence of God, and so he was also accustomed to hearing the voice of God. L- listen, what I'm trying to help you understand this morning is, if you really want to hear from God, one of the best things you can do is build relationships with people who are passionate about the things of God. Spend time in the presence of people who spend time in the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't have Christian or non-Christian friends. Nobody walk away from here and, and say, you know, Pastor Doug said we shouldn't have any Christian friends. We should all have all Christian friends, and those are the only people we should hang out with. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I'm convinced that, that one of the big problems for many of us who have followed Jesus for a number of years is we don't have enough non-Christian friends. I mean, we like being in the presence of other believers and we build relationships in a community like this, but we need to be intentional about building more relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And so I'm not saying only have Christian friends, but what I am saying is when it comes to insight, when it comes to advice, be very careful who you listen to. And if you don't have mature godly people, who are passionate worshipers, passionate about the house of God, passionate about the things of God, if you don't have many of those kinds of people in your world who are speaking into your life, then you need to get some of those people in your world to speak into your life. Because they're the ones who you're going to hear the voice of God from. They're the ones who are going to give you insight into situations, who are going to speak into your life the things that God wants to speak into your life. Because they're godly, because they walk with God. And and here's the bottom line is, you may have some very wise people in your life, but if they don't have a relationship with God, the advice that they give may sound good, but the truth is, it's coming from a worldly perspective. And, And here's where the rub comes in. Oftentimes, when God calls us into something, when he speaks something into our lives, it will make absolutely no sense from a worldly perspective. There are times when God will speak something into your life and it will make absolutely no sense financially, you know? For, 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 for us to go to somebody who doesn't have a biblical perspective or a God perspective and say, you know, I feel like that what God is calling me to do is give a significant amount of my income away to, to ministry, to the work of the church, that, you know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That sounds crazy. No, what you ought to do is take that money and put it towards your retirement. What you ought to do is invest that. It just doesn't make sense. I was thinking about this, and I thought about, um, and I just, just lost his name, but he is the, the head of World Vision, and he used to be the CEO for um, Parker Brothers, and uh, this guy was a multi-millionaire, had everything that anybody in this world would want, and one day God talk, called him and told him to leave all that and go become the head of World Vision and pretty much give all of those financial resources away. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but God called him to do it. And you see, what we need in our lives are people who hear the voice of God, who can speak those things into us and say, yeah, I really think that God is, I know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't make sense from a worldly perspective, but I think God is calling you to do that. And God has the ability to make things work that don't make sense. 
We need people like that in our lives. And so I really want to encourage you, if you really want to hear the voice of God, find some spiritually mature, godly people and invite them to speak into your life. It'll make a huge difference in your life. Number two, hearing God speak through other people requires humility and openness. Now this one is just kind of common sense because you can only hear what you're open to hear. You can only hear what you're open to hear. I, 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 used, I had an uncle, he, he passed away, he's with the Lord now, he was an evangelist in the church and traveled all over the world. And I remember on several occasions when I heard him speak, one of the first things he'd say is, are you open or are you closed? Are you open or are you closed? Because if you're closed, you're not gonna hear anything that the Lord has to say to you through me. But if you're open, he may just speak into your heart. And so we have to be open in order to hear. If, 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 now, again, when we, when we talk about being open, we have to be open to the right people. We want to be listening to the kinds of people that we just talked about, those who are mature and have a history of being close to God. But the bottom line is, and I'm just going to be honest, I encounter people all the time who I know God is trying to speak to, but the truth is, they're really not that open to listening. I remember a few years ago, I had a, a gentleman that God had brought into my life and he had a call of ministry on his life and so he was going through the process of the, the ministerial uh, credentialing process of being licensed in the church and so um, I just kind of came alongside of him and he had this call of ministry and so we, we met on a number of occasions and he had this really deep call of ministry on his life and had all these wonderful ideas and plans but the reality is his, his marriage was a disaster. And I remember sitting with him, and I, I believe I gave him sound, godly, biblical advice. And my advice to him was, your ministry right now needs to be your marriage. Your primary focus, I know there's all these ministry plans and they're wonderful, but your primary focus needs to be on your marriage because the reality is there is no quicker way for the enemy to cut the legs out from underneath a ministry than destroying a marriage. And so you need to work on your marriage. You need to focus on your marriage. You need to pour into your marriage. And, 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 and we met on several occasions. And we had this, this same conversation on several occasions. And every time we had it, it was like in one ear and out the other ear. And there were other people that God had put into his life who had spiritual wisdom and spiritual authority who said the same thing, that, that you need to work on your marriage. And, and, and he ignored all those things. And the reality is today his marriage is dissolved and he's no longer a licensed minister. You see, the truth is that sometimes the reason we're not hearing from God, we're not hearing God speak to us is because we really, ultimately, we don't want to hear from God. We, we don't want to hear what God has to say. We just want to do what we want to do. In fact, there may be some who is li or are listening to my voice this morning, and I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to be real, but, but there are some who you're like, you know, God never speaks to me through other people. In fact, God never tells me anything. Well, have you ever considered the possibility that maybe it's just because they know you don't want to hear? Maybe in the past, God has put people in your life who have tried to speak into your life, but because you weren't open to it, they just stopped talking. 
I have people who come into my mind right now, names and faces that I've tried to share God's truth with, but the bottom line, they just, they just didn't want to hear it. Typically, because it required something of them that they didn't like. To, to give up something, to surrender something, to change a behavior. And the truth is, they just didn't want to do it. They did, their, their desire not to do it trumped their desire to hear from what God had to say for them. This is one of the things I love about Moses in this passage. In fact, um, I, I love the fact that Moses is not just interested in hearing um, the, the encouragement from Jethro, but also he's humble enough and open enough to receive correction from Jethro. I'm afraid that way too often we're the opposite. You know, I love encouragement. I'm a person, I'm just honest, I love to be encouraged. I love affirmation. I love to be encouraged, but I, I don't really like that much, you know, correction. <laughs> That's a lot more painful than encouragement. And, and for most of us, it's probably that way. We, we love, you know, surround me with godly people who are going to speak into me and build into me and speak encouragement over me. I love to be encouraged. And that's wonderful. And we need that. We need people in our lives who are going to encourage us and build into us. But the reality is we also need people around us who are able to see some things that we can't see and love us enough to offer correction to us when we need it. Moses is open to the correction. And the reality is, I mean, he didn't have to be. I mean, especially because of the relationship that he has with Jethro. This is his father-in-law. It's hard to hear stuff from your father-in-law. Uh, who wants to be corrected by their father-in-law? No hands here. I don't see any hands here. Nobody wants to be corrected by their father-in-law. But, but this is an interesting passage of scripture because if you read through this chapter, um, the, the fact that Jethro is Moses' father-in-law is mentioned 12 times in this one chapter. 12 times. Now remember, Moses is the one who's writing this. So apparently he wants to make it known, I listen to my father-in-law. I've got this on record. I listen to him. Right? Now the reason I find this interesting is, if you remember when Moses first meets Jethro, he's not like in a great place in life. When Moses first meets Jethro, he is a fugitive from the law. He's running from the Egyptians. Pharaoh wants to kill him. He has absolutely nothing to his name. He's wandering around out in the desert. He, he stumbles into uh, the camp of, of Jethro, and Jethro shows him kindness. In fact, Jethro even allows him to marry one of his daughters. Now, in this day and age, in order to marry a daughter, to gain the hand of a daughter, you would have to give a pretty significant dowry. But you had to have something to offer. And Moses has absolutely nothing to offer, and yet Jethro has compassion on him and winds up allowing him to marry one of his daughters. And so it would be very easy for Moses now to have the attitude of, you know, Jethro, I know when we first met, when I first came to you, I know it didn't really look like I had my act together and, and it looked like I really didn't have a whole lot to offer, but you need to understand that, that now I'm kind of a big deal. I mean, now um, I, I, out of all of the people that God could have chosen to deliver his people, he picked me. 
And out of all of the people that God could have chosen to speak through, he chose to speak through me. I'm the guy who hears the voice of God. I'm not the guy who goes to somebody else to hear what God has to say. I'm the guy who God speaks to and people come to me to hear what God has to say. And, and so, um, so thanks, but no thanks. I mean, if God's got something to say to me, he'll say it to me himself. But instead of that, Moses, in humility, he's willing to listen and he's open. Now, I share that with you to say this. I don't care what position you may find yourself in. I don't care how long you have been walking with God. I don't care how God has used you in the past. Don't ever allow yourself to get into the position where you are too big or too good to listen to what God may want to say to you through other people. This is one of the primary reasons that we have seen so many prominent church leaders fall is because they allowed themselves to get to the place where they are too big, too good to listen to anybody else. That if God's gonna speak, I'm the person that he speaks to through, not, not to through somebody else. If anybody could have that spirit, it was Moses, but instead he's open to listen, not just to the encouragement, but also to the correction. Which leads us to number three. The reason that God speaks through other people is in order to reveal our blind spots. We all have them. In verse 17, it says that Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing, it's not good. You think it's good, but it's not good. You see, even with all that God had done for, had done in, had done through Moses, Moses still had a blind spot. He, he thought that what he was doing was good. I mean, he's serving the people. But Jethro sees this, and he says, listen, Moses, I know you think it's good, but it's not good for you, and it's not good for them either. You, you know, sometimes when our heart is pure, Sometimes, you know, even when we really want to serve God and serve other people, we can think we're doing a good thing, but we're really not doing a good thing because of a blind spot that we have. Re really, we can think we're doing a good thing when in reality we're doing more harm than good. We may think we're helping people when in reality what we're doing is enabling people. We may think we're, we're helping people when in reality we're hindering them from a growing experience or a learning experience or a developmental experience or a relational experience with God. For, for Moses, all he can see is, man, I am helping a ton of people all day long, seven days a week. I'm giving myself away. I'm helping all these people. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to help as many people as I can. And so Moses sees himself as somebody who's trying to serve people, while Jethro sees a guy who's on the road to burnout. M Moses sees himself as someone who has a heart of compassion and, and just wants to help, while Jethro sees somebody who's actually limiting God from raising up other leaders. Moses, all he sees are the immediate needs, while Jethro is looking at the long-term impact. And so even though Moses' motives are good, Jethro sees that they're not wise. He has good motives, 
They're just not wise. And so sometimes what God will do in those situations is he will send somebody to speak into us, not because our motives are bad and need to be corrected, but simply because we need a different perspective. Sometimes your motive is good, but what you're doing, it's not sustainable. Your your motive is good, you want to help, but the reality is you're really hindering. And so God uses Jethro to see what Moses can't see. Oftentimes, God does that. And, And it's a good thing. We need people around us who have a different perspective. I've talked to our church leadership about that. What I want as a pastor is the last thing in the world I want are a bunch of yes men and yes women that whatever Pastor Doug thinks, yeah, we're gonna agree with it because Pastor Doug thinks it. I want people who are connected to Jesus, who, who are engaged in the word, who love Jesus, who have a different perspective than I do so we can talk about things and look at things and so people can see things that maybe I don't see. We need people like that in our lives who have a different perspective than we do. Last one, number four. How how do we know when when God is speaking through someone else and it's not just them? Well, the way that we know this is that God will speak through people in combination with what he's already doing in us. That, That God will speak through other people and it will be a confirmation of something that he's doing down deep in our spirit. In verse 23, it says this. Um, Jethro says, if you do this, if you do what I'm telling you to do, if you take the advice that I'm giving, he says, God will direct you and you'll be able to endure and all the people also will go to their place in peace. In the New Testament translation, it says it like this, if you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, if you follow my advice and you feel like God's telling you to do that, then you'll be able to endure the pressure and all these people will go home in peace. In other words, what he's saying here is, don't just take what I say, take what I say and lay it against what God is saying to you. Take what I feel like God is telling me to to, to tell you and lay it against, test it, in other words, lay it against what you think God is saying, and, and if it resonates, go with it and watch what God does. Listen, we need to understand that when God speaks to us, he doesn't want to leave us guessing. In other words, he's always going to confirm in our spirit what he's saying. So when somebody comes to us and they say, you know, I have a, I have a word from the Lord or they have a word from the Lord, we need to test it. The Bible tells us to do that, to test it. How do we do that? I wanna wanna give you just really quick six questions that you can ask yourself. And you can just kind of wrestle through with in prayer. Number one is this, does it line up with what God has already said? In other words, does it line up with the word of God? This is why engaging with, being in, understanding, spending time in the word is so important. Because one thing God will never do is he'll never contradict himself. In other words, he's not going to say one thing in his written word and then something else contrary uh, to, to what his written word says through somebody else. And so if the advice that somebody gives you doesn't line up with the word of God, you can automatically disqualify it because it's not from God if it doesn't line up with the word of God. Number two, does it bear witness in your spirit? 
In other words, is there something deep inside you that when you receive this word, it's like, yes, this is for me. It's when you hear it, it just brings peace. It brings assurance. It confirms something that's already been working in your spirit. It challenges you in a way that God has been challenging you in. You see, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, then then when somebody comes and gives us a word from the Spirit, the, the word from the Spirit will resonate or bear witness with the Spirit that lives in us. In other words, God will put a sense in your spirit that what they're saying is right. Now, we may not always like it. It, sometimes it may be a challenge for us because sometimes the word we get is a rebuke or it's a challenge. But if we're open to it, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us, hey, this is from me. You need to listen to this. Number three, does it bring glory to God? In other words, if I act upon it, ultimately, will it reveal the goodness of God? Will, will it point to how awesome God is? Will it bring glory to him? God will never speak anything to us that in the end doesn't result in pointing to his goodness, his kindness, his redemption, his healing, his power. Does it bring glory to God? Number four, will it draw me closer to God? If I act on this, if I, if I take this word that's been spoken over me and given to me, will it Will it draw me further into his heart or will it pull me further away from him? Will it help me to know him better? Will it help me experience him on a deeper level or will it lead me further away from him? Number five, will it produce freedom or bondage? The, 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 the la- the, the, this test you, you want to use um, in any type of word that you receive to make sure that is, is it will lead you into liberty and not any type of bondage or fear. The Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so when you act on it, will it produce more freedom or will it produce less freedom? Last one, number six. Will it result in blessing other people? If, if, I, if, if, I, if I have this word that is spoken over me, if, if I act on it, is it going to wind up blessing other people? This one is so important because we need to understand that whenever God does something in our life, it's not just about us. Whenever God wants to do something in you, it's not just about you. The reality is, is the reason that God wants to work in you and through you is so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the world. For Moses, he listens to what God has to say through Jethro. And the result is, is it winds up blessing millions of of people. They are better able to have their needs served. It raises up leaders who come alongside Moses. And so it's a blessing to them because there's this leadership that is developed in them and they become more effective in fulfilling the mission of God. I want you to understand this morning that it is my belief that God wants to use each and every single one of you to be a blessing in the world. He wants to bless not just you, but he wants to bless 
the world through you. He wants to bless others by speaking through you. But he also wants to bless others by you having the openness and humility to hear God's voice as he speaks through other people. So my prayer this morning is, God, would you give us a listening heart? Would you give us a listening heart? In fact, let's just pray that together this morning. And I encourage you, just in the quietness of your own heart, to pray that prayer. God, would you give me a listening heart? Would you give me ears to be able to hear your voice? Would you give me the humility to be able to, to say, I know that I don't know it all. I know that I don't know it all. I know that I need other godly people in my life. I need to have godly voices in my life that you speak through and into me to help me to do whatever it is that you want me to do, to help me to become whatever it is that you want me to become. I need people who will come alongside of me and encourage me and be there to celebrate your goodness and all of the great things that you do. But I also need people who come alongside of me who have a different perspective. I need people to come alongside of me who have the ability to see the blind spots in my life that I can't see. I need people to come alongside of me who love me enough that they're willing to correct me when I need to be corrected. I need people who care about me enough that they just, want, they just want to see me pursuing you with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and strength and becoming all that you want me to be that they care enough about me to have hard conversations with me when they need to be had. So God, would you give me the humility to be able to listen? And then God, would you give me the discernment? We know that we live in a world where not every word comes from you and that there are deceiving spirits who want to lead us in a direction we should not go. And so, God, would you give me the discernment to be able to test the spirit? Help my spirit to bear witness with your spirit when there's a word that's spoken over me and there's a direction you want me to head. Help me to spend time in your word so I can really be clear that if there's something that is shared that just doesn't line up with what you've already said, that I can reject that and embrace the things that you've already said. God, I pray you'd help me to, to be a voice like that for other people. Speak through me. And in the end, may it be a blessing to the world. May it result in glory and honor to you in your name. May it result in people's lives being healed and transformed and changed for the better. May it result in your kingdom being established on earth. I pray you'd speak to us because we're listening today. We thank you and we praise you that you're a God who wants to speak to us. You don't want to leave us guessing. So we pray you'd help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Would you stand with us? We're going to sing that song again that we uh, that we sang earlier.